Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Tuesday, February 4th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Uh, So, here's what's uh, going on. Last night, Matt Sheehan, my... uh, uh, Let's see, what adjective do I want to use for him today? My sometimes incompetent (laughs) co-host, Matt Sheehan... Uh, and I recorded a podcast, full podcast, really good one, talked about a, a ton of stuff. And the recording service that Matt uses crashed out on him uh, immediately after we finished recording. Um, we messed around with it, tried to figure out a way to save the file, save the recording, um, but unfortunately... For uh, security privacy reasons, <laughs> this particular website doesn't, um, they don't store recordings uh, in any sort of secure server as a backup. So that's, I didn't know this. Had I known this, I would have encouraged Matt to uh, perhaps seek another route. Uh, so you're kind of just out there uh, totally relying on this one file and unfortunately... Uh, the website failed Matt, and his file was lost forever. It's unfortunate. Um, and just because I've been dealing with some family emergency stuff, uh, we didn't get to record last night until like after 11 o'clock. And by the time we finished recording, realized what was going on, tried to troubleshoot it, and then eventually gave in and lost the file. By the time all that happened, uh, we were not <laughs> feeling like recording again. We were both tired. I was exhausted. Um, I know Matt was tired and frustrated, and it just we didn't we weren't going to record another one. It was like midnight almost. Uh, he had to get up early to work, and I said, "You know what? I will get up in the morning, and I will." Uh, record a solo pod and try to get it out there. So that is uh, where we are at. One day after a solo Matt pod, you get a solo Will pod. I think that's the first time I've ever referred to myself in the third person. It felt weird. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, Okay, so what we're going to do, preview uh, Penn State, Michigan State a little bit. We didn't do a ton of this on the episode yesterday because we really got into some interesting stuff. But I will talk about uh, Michigan State taking on Penn State. It'll just, we haven't you know, seen Penn State this year. Michigan State hasn't played them yet. Big bounce back spot for MSU. Uh, a game they, you know, it's pretty much every game you got to win in the Big Ten race this year. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Penn State, some players to know, uh, and what they do well. It's a really good team. The, the, the Nits are really good, and they're playing really well. Uh, their last four games. So, talk about that. Probably, uh, probably say that for the end of the show. That'll be segment three. Uh, before that, I want to reassess where this team at is at, where this Michigan State team is at, and kind of try to take a macro view and get rid of as much. Um, wh- what's the way to say? Like the preseason stuff. This the things that might be coloring our view of this team, how we're feeling about them, and just try to look at it kind of plainly, broadly, factually, uh, just to sort of 
see. Um, and I, I want to relate that where they're at with where the Big Ten is at. Got some numbers there. And then just sort of nationally where things kind of shake out. So try to recreate yesterday's show as much as I can without uh, Matt's help. It should be a lot easier because, as we all know, Matt is incredibly incompetent and great at just wrecking segments. Okay, so let's jump right into it. Um, My big theory right now is that the preseason number one stuff, the results of last season especially, are coloring the, the average Michigan State fan's view of this team. And I think... That makes sense. Um, That's, you know, it's been frustrating and you're totally allowed to be frustrated um, with a team coming in with that much returning experience, talent, expectations, the coaching staff. Um, It was, there was a reason they were picked as like a a near unanimous uh, number one preseason team. Their national title odds were, you know, far and away the best. They were really short odds to make the Final Four, which um, was really surprising to me. I think one media member picked Maryland to win the Big Ten, and it was a Maryland writer. Everyone else, which is, I think they surveyed 28 writers, two from each school. So 27 of the 28 media members picked Michigan State. Uh, to win the conference, everyone, you know, Cassius is preseason player of the year, all that stuff. It's all coloring the, the way we are looking at this Michigan State team. And I think it's fair to be frustrated that they're not living up to that for whatever reason. Some of it is out of their control. Some of it, I would say most of it is, is within their control. They're just not playing uh, up to their standard consistently enough. We've seen it at times, right? We've seen flashes, uh, especially at the Breslin Center. Uh, you know, we've seen good 12, 14, 20-minute runs where you're like, yeah, this is the best team in the country. This is the, uh, okay, I get it. We're here. Um, and then you get the first six minutes at Wisconsin, and you're like, this is not even a, a varsity Division One team. What is going on who are these guys? There's been a lot of uh, sort of oscillating <laughs> between those two teams this season. And empirically, objectively, um, you know, while it has been frustrating, while they're not the number one team like we had hoped, thought, anticipated they would be, here's where they sit. Um, just in some, some numbers, right? This this isn't an opinion. That's not a poll, although they're still sitting fine in the coaches in the AP polls. I don't put any stock into those. Um, but in terms of numbers, which, uh, Ken Palm is, is the spot to go for that for college basketball, Michigan state is, uh, ninth in the country in adjusted efficiency. And, you know, ninth is not, you know, they, they've been one, two, three, much of the, they were number one uh, until they lost to Duke, and then they've been top five uh, the entire season 
until the Purdue loss. They were number three going into Purdue. They went from three to eight to seven to eleven to seven to eight. Now they're sitting at nine, so a little bit below uh, what they've been all season right now. But they're still ninth in the country, fifteenth uh, on offense, nineteenth on defense. Um, you know, have played a really tough schedule. We know that. Um, have been a little bit unlucky, just if you want to factor that in. Although, I would say uh, they're the uh, the creators of their own bad luck at this point. But still, they're ninth. As bad as they have played, and as frustrating as a lot of these games have been, the, the Purdue game, the Indiana game, the Wisconsin game, as frustrating as those games have absolutely been, um, you know, it's, Purdue, the Purdue game, it kind of happens. Maybe not that ugly. And really, like, the 42 points is the flukiest. Thing. Like, they'll never put up an offensive. It'll be seven years before they do that again. I think it was, like, 2013. I forget what year, but it was a long time ago. Um, since they, It's been a long time since they had an offensive performance like that. So that's a little bit uh, of a fluky score. But say it's seventy-one fifty-five. Not really any better, but still, or you know, <laughs> looks a little better. But you still get your butt kicked. That sort of game happens. You go on the road, you no show, and you get beat by a solid team. That's not great, but a team that you should beat but can beat you, and they just club you once, and it's like crap. We should probably show up on the road, right? That's something that I, I can look at that and go, okay, that happens. But the slow start against Indiana, the slow start against Wisconsin, the way they clawed back in, had chances to win those games, didn't make plays, missed layups, missed uh, open shots, went cold uh, offensively, and just overextended stretches during winning time. Um, Yeah, that's frustrating. That's frustrating as hell. And I get it. I get the annoyance. I get you know, wanting to pull your hair out at times because they just can't seem to round into form. But they're still ninth in the entire country. They're still one of the teams to beat. They're incredibly balanced. They're 15th on offense, 19th on defense. There are teams ahead of them, which I can talk about in the next break, that are, you know, less, much less balanced and teams that generally don't uh, show up and scare you when it comes to the NCAA tournament. So I want to pause here just for a sec. I want to continue this conversation right into sort of a national picture and a Big Ten picture, and then we'll preview Michigan State, Penn State after that. So we'll be back in just a second. All right, we're back. We are back. I am back. No Matt, still. I miss him. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I want to next talk about this Michigan State team. Within the Big Ten, because um, we've sort of heard this thing all year, right? And I've been kind of trying to push this, and it's not a narrative, it's just factual. Um, but I just want to make sure everyone knows about this when you're talking about the Big Ten. And I've started to hear um, it be picked up nationally. I was, I was watching um, Florida State, North Carolina uh, the other day, I think last night. And Dick Vitale was talking about the Big Ten and saying, you know, the best conference in the country. And I think it was Bob Wischusen was with them, whoever it was. Or no, Sean McDonough. 
Um, and they were like, yeah, you know, just kind of chatting about it. And so it seems like, and I've been reading that, I think Jay Billis, you know, whatever. People nationally in, in the college basketball landscape are starting to recognize like, hey, Big Ten, it's kind of loaded this year. Um, and it is number one in adjusted efficiency metric um, for a, a team that it would be expected to go 500 in conference play. That's how that's how Ken Palm sort of uh, rates these things out. Uh, is the you know how good is an average team in your conference? And Michigan's or in the Big Ten, it's uh, you know for 17.49, uh, and that's by a decent margin. So it's a uh, it's a really good conference, and man, if Nebraska and Northwestern were just like mediocre instead of terrible, it would be a nightmare conference, because at least at least there's a couple of cellar dwellers to provide a little bit of relief when you need it most. So I just want to, I don't know, I got a stat here, I was, I was doing a little bit of research type thing, and I wanted to see, you know, I've been hearing the Big Ten's good, I think the Big Ten is really good. Just how good uh, is the Big Ten, you know, can I find some data? <laughs> um, so I was looking up, and Ken Palm goes back through 2002. So it's a, a database, been around for, this is his 19th basketball season. So it's a pretty good data set. It's a pretty good, um, I don't know, I guess if you want to call it like a modern era uh, of college basketball. Um and so what I did was I just kind of looked at this year's conference and I found the, the top 12 teams, right? All the way through getting rid of Nebraska and Northwestern because, dear God, they're so bad. Uh, the top 12 teams in the conference are all ranked in the top 41 in Ken Palm. A little bit arbitrary, 41 uh, as, a, as a, a number, but, you know, I could have gone to 40, but I kept it at 41. So I'm measuring top teams in the top 41 in Ken Palm. Indiana's 41st. Uh, so there are 12 this season. That's a lot. Um, since Ken Palm started, the Big Ten has had uh, teams ranked in the top 41. In 2013, they had eight teams ranked in the top 41. In 2006, they had seven. And in every other season... Every other season, six or fewer. And most of those seasons, six or five, there was an occasional four. Um, and I think maybe one year there was a three mixed in there. It's basically every single year, uh, six teams are in the top 41. There's six good teams, you know, six tournament-level teams, couple elite teams, couple mid-pack teams, couple uh, you know bubble teams, 9-10 seed-ish, and then... Kind of, you know, it's 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 in there. A couple teams on the outside looking in usually, and then it's, you know, it makes sense. A couple bad teams, and then a couple terrible teams. This year, everyone's good. <laughs> um, and so you're looking at a 100% increase over an average Big Ten season, and you're looking at a 50% increase over the previous best Big Ten season by this metric. Um, so yeah, this conference is ridiculously loaded. And good teams are going to miss the tournament. Purdue, pretty good team. They're probably going to miss the tournament. Minnesota, same thing. Ohio State is in a little bit of jeopardy. Michigan's in jeopardy. Michigan's a good team. Michigan's like 24th, 25th. Where are they? There's Michigan 26th and adjusted efficiency. So there's going to be some really good Big Ten teams. 
that don't make the tournament. Um, but every single one of them outside of the bottom two tournament teams. And so, yeah, it's, it's annoying to lose games on the road. Um, but Michigan State, as we talked about earlier in the show, is not this elite world-beating team this year. They're a very good team. And um, I know it hasn't felt that way because they're 3-3 three and three in their last six. But they put together a really nice stretch before that where they're clubbing some really good teams. And they've had some games within there. You know, the Wisconsin win, the win, the win against Minnesota on the road. Even Northwestern. Beating Northwestern that kind of way, they're impressive results. And so you've got a good team, not an elite team, a very good team, a potentially great team going through a conference that is loaded with tournament teams that range from, you know, 9-10 bubble, you know, 9-10 seeds slash bubble teams um, all the way up to two seed, three seed, four seed types that, you know, could make a final four run. It kind of makes sense that you're going to lose some games. If you don't play your best, which they haven't certainly in any of their losses, you're going to lose and you, you got to be able to bring like a B plus type game on the road. You can't have an F start for six minutes play a basketball for five minutes and then go back to see like, it's gotta be solid B plus ball, a minus basketball on the road, or you're going to lose. And we've seen that play out for them. They have not been consistent enough. They've been at times absolutely elite for stretches and at other times, not (laughs) looking like anything capable of doing anything. Uh, but as Matt and I talked about last night, they're still really capable of doing stuff. Uh, there's been, you know, brackets coming out, right? It's, it's, we're getting into the bracketology season and Matt just, um, he retweeted one from, I think it was Andy Katz and NCAA.com, whatever it was. Um, and people were getting fired up about it because it was a good looking bracket. So I just had him, I had him pull up the the bracket and said okay lay it out for me who is Michigan State playing let's look at this compared to their Big Ten games um and so again this is neutral court you got to keep that in mind Stephen F Austin's the first game Stephen F Austin mid major good team certainly but they're a hundred something they're a hundredth in adjusted efficiency not a big deal so MSU's a four seed in this bracket five seed was LSU. LSU's 32nd in adjusted efficiency, which uh, I think there are eight teams. Yeah, eight teams in the Big Ten (laughs) who are better than LSU. So you're into the Sweet 16 playing a mid-major and a team that is, you know, somewhere down the the line in terms of quality in the Big Ten uh, on a neutral court. That's important to remember. They don't have to go on the road. It's a neutral court. (laughs) Um, So that shouldn't concern you much. And then after that, to get to the Elite Eight, you know, they're playing uh, the, the one seed because they're the four seed, which is San Diego State, uh, which is a, a good team. But would San Diego State be 23-0 in the Big Ten? Would they be better than 16-6 six and six, 16 and six with Michigan State's schedule? They're ranked uh, pretty good in adjusted efficiency 
So I'm not doubting that they're a quality team. They're a good team. They've also had an entire season's worth of just feeling confident and feeling great because they haven't lost. You know, they they beat Iowa in a neutral court. They they beat Creighton. They beat BYU. Those are all good teams. Uh, they beat Utah State. I don't know why I'm breaking down San Diego State, but they're a good team. But it's not something where you're looking at that like, man, San Diego State on a neutral court. Like, it's harder to go to Wisconsin and win than it is to beat San Diego State on a neutral court. I feel confident in saying that. Just, it is. Um, that's what you kind of get on the other side of this. In a year where there's not a dominant team, you know, even Baylor, as good as their record looks, they're lagging a little bit behind a, a true number one team in adjusted efficiency. Kansas is actually the number one team. There's a couple teams uh, that have good offense, good defense. You know, Kansas, Duke, Baylor's uh, good too. San Diego State, but like Gonzaga, elite offense, bad at defense, 44th in defense. Dayton, elite offense, 57th on defense. Virginia, elite defense, or West Virginia, elite defense, not so great on offense. Louisville's balanced, Michigan State's balanced. So even within this top group of teams, there's a lot of flaws. And I still think Michigan State ceiling is uh, as high as anybody in the group. We've seen it through stretches. Uh, they have looked incredible, <laughs> absolutely incredible. Better they've they've played stretches of basketball where they look like the team to beat for the national title. Who knows if they ever put it together consistently? I'm not feeling like they're going to. I think we're gonna get this kind of team throughout the the entire season, but. Tournament games, neutral courts, not on the road. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, I don't think, you know, until it's like Elite Eight, Final Four championship game, I don't think Michigan State will see a tougher three-game stretch in the tournament than they than the, some of the ones they've gone through or will go through in the Big Ten. Like road Michigan, road Illinois, home Maryland. Like that three-game stretch is... Harder than any three-game stretch they'll face in a tournament until it's the end of the tournament. So, it's frustrating to see them lose. It's not fun being in a tight race and you're looking around like, why can't they pull away? Just win a game on the road and you'll pull away. But (laughs) the grind is going to hopefully pay dividends uh, when it comes to the thing that they're really chasing this year. And that is a national championship. All right, I want to pause here for a sec. Come back. Talk about Penn State. Penn State. Coming to the Breslin Center tonight. Let's talk about it. All right, welcome back. I need to, uh, oh, as I stretch here, get a good stretch in. Um, apologize a little bit for my voice. Uh, not used to doing solo shows. <clears throat> Excuse me. Recording in the morning is so much Worse on the old vocal cords than recording at night. Last night, though, I would have just been yawning <laughs> the entire time throughout the show. And I've kept those to a minimum today, I think. I've done a decent job there. So I apologize for my voice. I've been trying really hard to drink an entire 20-ounce bottle of water while recording here. So we're working hard. Uh, I'm working hard for you guys. Let's talk about Penn State. They are uh, really good. Really good team. 
Um, 16 and five overall in the season, six and four in the Big Ten. Number 16 in adjusted efficiency. Um, you know they've got some nice wins within the conference. They beat Maryland, beat Iowa at the uh, Palestra, which was an awesome game. That one of the better games uh, I've seen. This season, that uh, beat Ohio State, beat Michigan on the road, which is a really nice win. So, they are a a, a quality team for sure. They're forty um, eighth on offense and adjusted efficiency, eighteenth on defense, and they are a fast team, thirty ninth in tempo. Uh, you know, just their adjusted tempo, their average possession length on offense, they're thirty eighth. So they like to move, like to get up the old court. Uh, four factors. They, you know, they don't shoot it particularly well. Uh, they take care of the ball. Uh, they're not a good rebounding team, and they're not a team that gets to the line a ton, and they foul too much on defense. So, kind of an interesting sort of balance there. What they do really well defensively is effective field goal percentage against. They make you take tough shots, uh, and they make you miss, especially inside. Uh, they are number eight in the country defensively uh, in two-point percentage against. That's a really impressive number. Teams are only making 42.3% of their two-point shots uh, against them. And again, it's the Big Ten. They've played some really good bigs who can score down low uh, with some ease. So that uh, that makes that number all the more impressive. Um you know, they're on a four-game winning streak right now, including two road wins. They're coming off of a three-game losing streak, uh, which doesn't make sense, I know. Lose three in a row, win four in a row, kind of the, the way the Big Ten uh, is working this season. So they're playing really well right now. Uh, they are led offensively by a guy we're sh- we should be very familiar with <laughs> at this point uh, because he's a senior. Man, there's so many... Uh, we, Matt and I talk about this a ton, but there's just so many sort of upperclassmen, um, big dudes this year that just are really good. It's it just so like it coincides. Like uh, man, Garza, Teske, um, you know, Turu and Coburn are younger, but uh, Lamar Stevens is the guy here from Penn State. Uh, playing power forward for them, he's been around the block. Um, Eats a ton of their shots, and you know he's not the most efficient player. He's decent. Um, probably shoots too many threes. Gets to the free throw line in a, a, a good amount, but doesn't convert as well as he should. He's seventy one percent from the line last year. Was seventy seven percent from the line, and you know it's only six points, but that makes a big difference. Uh, and is hurting his offensive rating. He's turning it over too much as well. But they're going to go through him a ton. Uh, he likes to work down low. Uh, along with him, Mike Watkins, who's another senior. Uh, big dude, 6'9", 257, and is not not fat at all. <laughs> he's, he's a brick, you know, like brick bleep house. Uh, he's a monster. Uh, him and Stevens uh, clean up the glass. Uh, Watkins can get after it on the offensive end. He's kind of a, a rim runner, dunker. Type has only taken three threes this year, hasn't hit one, uh, shoots 52% for the line, gets there a ton, but doesn't shoot well uh, when he gets there. He's a finisher. He's a clean it up around the rim finisher, uh, hammer at home. Uh, so he's a big guy that, 
you know that's sort of the front court matchup to to watch out for Lamar Stevens, Mike Watkins versus Xavier Tillman, and who this might be a marble game, just based on stature. Like I don't love Kithier spending any time on either of these guys. I don't like Bingham uh, matching up with a guy like Mike Watkins who can really push him around. So we'll have to see how uh, they decide to play that. But you know Penn State's going to play two bigs uh, a lot. Uh, aside from that, Miles Dredd, Myron Jones, both sophomores, uh, so but familiar with them. Myron Jones is probably their best player. He's got their highest offensive rating with volume um, and is a significant tr- contributor, but isn't, you know, doesn't take as many shots as Lamar Stevens, uh, doesn't have as much of the ball. He shoots 39% from three on high volume, so that's something to look out for, certainly, and uh, is a pretty good free throw shooter, although he doesn't get to the line a ton. Just a good, solid playmaker. The ball's in his hands a lot. Um, you know, that'll be an Aaron Henry assignment. Between him and Miles Dredd, you know, Aaron Henry, Rocket Watts, we'll see what Gabe Brown's health is like. Um, Kyle Arnes, that'll be sort of how that shakes out. Um, you like Michigan State, you know, those guys are good, but you still like Michigan State's ability to stop them defensively with length and athleticism. Jamari Wheeler's a good shooter, doesn't shoot it a ton, runs the point, um, turns it over too much, isn't very, I don't know, like it's tough to just be like, he's not very good, but he he doesn't do much on the offensive end, can play a little bit defensively, um, they use a lot of guys, they, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys in the rotation, and Seth Lundy is the one who's in at least, and you know, even he plays, you know, he played 18 minutes uh, against Nebraska their last game. So they use a lot of guys. Um, they're an older team, few seniors contributing, a couple juniors, you know, a couple sophomores and a freshman. So it's, you know, it's a pretty experienced team. Uh, six of their main guys are either seniors or juniors. So good team. Big team, strong team, doesn't really rebound it well, works well in the paint. That's going to be, like, if, if Penn State wins this game, it's because they're going to win the paint. They're not going to shoot the lights out. They're 232nd in the country in three-point shooting. They've only got a couple guys that really shoot it. And they don't, I mean, they shoot a decent amount of threes, but not a ton. And so, uh, Michigan State, take care of the ball, play their game, get out in transition. This could be a track meet at times, which would be a lot of fun. Uh, Penn State's one of the only other teams in the Big Ten that will get up and go and, and push the ball. So Michigan State is projected to win 76-69. Vegas has it as like an 8.5 point game. Uh, 72% chance of victory there for Michigan State. So it's a prime bounce back spot against a really good team. You know, maybe you, Penn State comes in, you hammer them, and everyone starts feeling good. Um, feeling like, okay, this team can do it. This team can really win this conference. This team can compete at a, uh, elite level nationally. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it shakes out and, you know, it could go the other way. They could lose to a team that they should certainly beat in a spot that they should beat them. And then we're all going to be smashing the old panic button. So we'll see how it goes. Eight o'clock tonight, BTN, uh, for that game. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Spartans. Thanks for bearing with us. We'll record tonight after the game, and I, I've chastised Matt <laughs> into being more secure with his recordings and not having to rely on the internet as much because 
it uh, it can fail as it did last night. So apologies for how the last couple of ga- days uh, have gone. You know, I've got my family emergency stuff that I've still been dealing with. Prolonged <laughs> emergency met. Internet fails us and here we are. Hopefully we'll get a competent show out to you for Wednesday. But thanks so much for listening to the show. Reminded to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can get Locked on Spartans wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, Matt and I, recapping the Michigan State-Penn State game. Until then, go green.